Feeling stressed lately? Sluggish? Having trouble sleeping and thinking about your never-ending to-do list? It happens to the best of us, but we've got an insider secret for you to help you live your healthiest life and stress a little less this year. Pair the award-winning, gut-nourishing Just Thrive probiotic with the stress-busting, mood-uplifting power of Just Calm. These two products are game changers in helping you take control of your mental health and your overall health. They have been part of my daily routine for months, but you have to give them time to work. There is no magic overnight pill, even though we all wish there were. But trust me, these two products will help you live your best life. Just Thrive Probiotic is like a little gardener of your gut, safely eliminating bad bacteria and replenishing the good, and it actually produces antioxidants too. It can be opened and sprinkled into any food or drink, so it's a perfect probiotic for the whole family. And for next-level stress-busting mood support, add in Just Calm. This product has been proven to do the almost unimaginable. Quickly promote a healthy response to everyday stress, encourage a steady, serene, and balanced mood, drive mental clarity, focus, and alertness, and even support great energy and optimal sleep. This is true stress management built for our modern-day stress-filled world. Just Thrive Probiotics have more clinical research than just about anyone else in the industry. No fake marketing, no claims, just real proven results. Every product is natural and they have a money-back guarantee. What do you have to lose? To learn about this groundbreaking company, don't miss episode 1174, where I chatted with Tina, the CEO and co-founder. If you're ready to up your wellness game and beat bloat, digestive issues, stress, and more, you can get 15% off site-wide at justthrivehealth.com with promo code NATSAV15. That's N-A-T-S-A-V-15. While you're there, check out all their other research-based products for optimal gut and immune health. Just Thrive is your one-stop wellness shop. There's something for everyone, a probiotic for pets, vitamins for bone and heart health, and even a product to help with recurring UTIs, all with a bottom-of-the-bottle guarantee. Take control of your health this year with Just Thrive. I just read such an amazing book. I really enjoyed it. It is called Your Body Will Show You the Way, Energy Medicine for Personal and Global Change. I love that it includes the global change. It is by Ellen Meredith. Ellen Meredith, D-A-E-E-M-A-P, which I will find out about soon, has been in practice since 1984 as a conscious channel, medical intuitive and energy medicine practitioner. She began training with her inner teachers in her late teens and over the last 40 years and has helped thousands of individuals to hear their inner guidance more clearly and to heal using energy medicine. Ellen, welcome to Health Power. So glad to have you on. Thank you, Lisa. I'm really glad to be here. Now, what does DA stand for? And then EEM-AP. Okay. DA stands for Doctor of Arts. And that's a that's a, what they call a terminal degree, although it didn't really kill me, um, in, um, in writing and creative writing in particular. So, Oh, that's so exciting. My daughter wants to study creative writing. You know, people say, oh, it's not practical. Don't study writing. I have used it my entire life. I've never had trouble getting jobs. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. And, and oh, you know, so good anyway, to hear. I won't go on and on, but I love writing. And the EEMAP is an advanced practitioner in Eden Energy Medicine. So I studied about 15 years ago. I went back for some training and studied with Donna Eden, who's a wonderful pioneer in energy medicine. 
Oh, great. Well, we're going to dive into energy medicine. But first, I want to read some quotes. I, I love the book. I want to start with this. Turning to inner guidance was not my initial instinct or what I was programmed to do in this life. I grew up in a family that loved to intellectualize, make theories, talk about grand and far-flung ideas. They tended to ignore the body as an inconvenience. I wasn't taught to respect this instrument, and as a result, I grew increasingly sicker as my physical systems broke down, and I had no idea what to do to restore them. I think a lot of people grow up that way, and if you could expand on that and then tell us what happened to you you know, health-wise. Okay, well, you know, I think people either do grow up kind of like a head on a stick, because that's kind of <laughs> what we're trained to be in school, or the opposite, that they feel okay as a physical being, but they don't learn to trust and respect and love their mind. You know, they're taught they're, they're inadequate, because in that very narrow range of what we're taught in schools, that doesn't happen to be their gift or happen to be the way they process the world. And so they fall more and more behind and start to think, I, I can't know. So, um, you know, as a young age, I was a little brainiac from the to head up and I was kind of dumb from the neck down because <laughs> I just didn't learn how to be embodied, how to be in this instrument. And I used to say, where's the user's manual for this thing? How do I <laughs> use it? And, you know, the illness started kind of casually. Um, you know, I'd get a tummy ache and it would come and go and come and go, or um, my digestion would go off and I'd have days and days where, you know, the food would go in at the top and be delicious, but the bottom part of my body just didn't like it. Um, I might um, injure something and then not have the good sense to take care of it right. So I keep re-injuring it because, you know, I wanted to get up and walk and who cared that my ankle hurt? And um over time, um, the other thing I never learned how to do was work with my nervous system. Um, I've got a lot of fire energy in me. And so I would get all excited and overexcited. And I never learned how to calm myself down or how to take that fire and use it for something, you know, to put it, to channel it into something creative. So often it backfired and I'd end up at the end of the day having been very excited, but feeling fried. And over time, I kind of tanked my adrenal glands because that's, that's, that's the chemical part of, of that excitement that can come. And I just got um, more and more happening that, that knocked me off balance. And I, I'm telling this all not because I think it's that important to me at this point, but because there's a lot of people out there who have lots of chronic, weird um, dis-ease. They're just not at home in their physical being. And they go to doctors and they're either told there's nothing wrong, even though they've got plenty of symptoms that say, yeah, I ache, I feel like crap, I'm tired all the time. There is something wrong. Or they're told that something specific is wrong. And often, you know, especially if they go to complementary practitioners, you know, they buy that shelf full of pills, the, the, the supplements and stuff. And it's thousands and thousands of dollars to rebalance a system that they never learned to balance in the first place. And to try to rebalance it chemically, even with, with nutrients, is a very clumsy way to do it. And so I was fortunate to have a crash that was serious enough that my MD sent me to an alternative practitioner who worked with energies. And in that, and she did what something something called applied kinesiology. And in the 
process of working with her, I, I learned about energies in my body. I, I learned that I could see what was going on in my body or perceive it, that I could see which of those supplements I might need and not have to buy all the different bottles. Um, and I learned, um, you know, I sort of developed into being a medical intuitive. And um, it, it was just because I had an opportunity to develop those skills. I actually believe most of us have those abilities, but we never have an opportunity to test them, to learn them, to, to kind of develop them in context. Um, so one of the things I try to teach people is how to, how to converse and communicate with your own body, with your own energies that make up body, mind, and spirit. How to, you know, behind, just below the surface of our awareness, body, mind, and spirit, they are talking all the time. They're having endless conversations using the language of subtle energy. That's, that's the language that underlies the chemistry. And so if we can dip into and participate in those conversations, first of all, we don't have to be going to doctors and practitioners so much and being told what's going on. We can get attuned and find out using our inner, the guidance system that's built in to our very being. And so that's better. We save a lot of money. But furthermore, we get into the conversations before they evolve to illness. I got because I didn't know how to respond to the little hints and symptoms and moments and respond appropriately. And, you know, so I'm, I'm hoping that I can save some people some of that trouble. Or if they are already sick or dealing with a, a diagnosis or a chronic illness, which is about, what, 60% of the population, <clears throat> maybe how to cultivate the wellness that can replace that dis-ease and imbalance that's manifesting as symptoms, some of which are very disabling. Oh, yes. Now, is applied kinesiology, is that the same thing as muscle testing? It's it's the source of muscle testing. There's other systems that use muscle testing as well. But the, the person who invented um, applied kinesiology was the first person that I'm aware of that taught the muscle testing. And the idea is that energies flow through various muscles of your body because everything in your body is fed energetically. So when you test a particular muscle, you're testing whether that energy is flowing through that muscle appropriately. And one of the things that he did um, that was so clever was, um, I believe his name was George Goodhart. I may have it wrong, but I believe that was his name. One of the things that was so clever was he correlated that with the meridian energies that are used in acupuncture in Chinese medicine and said, okay, so the, the energy going through this part of your arm relates to your liver meridian. So let's look at everything related to your liver organ and to the pathway that travels on to see what's happening with your health. So it's a very wonderful, clever system. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, right now, my dog, Blue, is getting applied kinesiology or muscle testing. Cool. And it's like watching magic. It is magic. I was kind of skeptical because it does, like you said, it is magic. It seems a little like out there. Right. When right. you're watching it, especially on a dog. Like, wait, that's they're not... E <laughs> What? <laughs> right. I know. And so if you understand that we have energies that flow through the body, kind of like you've got wiring in your house, you know, it is magic when you plug your, your vacuum cleaner into the wall and suddenly it works. And we don't question that magic because we've learned that our walls are wired with, with, with this stuff called electricity and we can plug into it. And then the, the, 
um, you know, the machines are tooled to use that electricity. We don't, we don't have trouble with that. Um, but because we see our bodies as bags of chemicals, and we don't understand that there is also another communication system in the body, which is energetic in nature, plugging into those energies and working with them doesn't make sense to us. But think about it. I mean, most of it is what we're socialized to believe because most of us don't have trouble believing that this little white pill that looks like a hundred other little white pills can make a difference in our health. You know, if, if, if your doctor says you need this pill or, you know, you, you say, I've got a headache, I'm going to go to the headache shelf and take, take some form of um, headache pill. Most of us don't have a problem with that leap of belief that, yeah, I'm going to take this random little white thing. I'm going to swallow it. And then in about 15, 20 minutes, I'm going to feel different or better because we've been steeped in a belief system that if you influence your chemistry, you're going to influence your body's behaviors. But if you think about it, what's feeding all that chemistry? You know, your brain, we know the brain has electrical impulses, you know, the synapses fire and the spine fires and tells the body through electrical impulses what to do. So if you can dance into that communication of the energy talking to to the system that feeds our organic body, then of course you can make a difference. And it's much easier with dogs and cats because they didn't go to school and learn that they shouldn't believe in anything but what <laughs> outsiders tell them. You know, they they know from yeah. themselves from the themselves from the inside out. Whereas we've really been programmed to only believe something that an expert out there tells us can be true. And because we don't learn to listen to our own inner knowing and to assess the system from within, we're at the mercy of for an expert having to figure it out. And they may not have all the information, especially if they only have five to 10 minutes to talk to us and they're on the computer the whole time. And they may not know the whole storyline of body, mind, and spirit that is influencing what's happening in your body. I mean, you know, you can say that's too much stress, but the stress of feeling like you don't fit in with your peers is a very different stress from the frustration that I'm creative and I can't express myself. And that's different from a, a stress where you're in a love relationship and the person's not treating you very well. And so we, we um, sort of... Um, distill everything down to very generic concepts and say, oh, you're too stressed, get rid of your stress, or go to another kind of doctor like a psychologist and they can do stress. We're cut into these pieces where body is separate from mind, is separate from spirit, but they're not separate in us. So being asked to deal with us ourselves in such fragmented ways um, is usually not terribly successful. Dogs are very integrated. Cats are integrated. They, their body, mind, and spirit is more of a unity. And so they can respond to lots and lots of therapies that our trained brains would reject. And, and so it seems like magic, but it's more like they speak French and we speak English and we don't understand their language. Right. But someone who understands, who speaks French, you know, that they're talking away with the dog. And, you know, so that's what's happening. Your practitioner has learned how to communicate with the creature self of your dog. And boy, don't yeah. you wish we all had that, that we could I do. communicate. That was amazing. It was amazing. With our creature self. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's what your book does, right? I mean, it helps us get in touch. And, and when you say energy, I kind of picture this like whooshing through my body of all this energy. Is it is it energy from all the different organs and muscles or is it like a single energy? Like how for lay people, lay person like me, I'm just, you know, even though I read, I, I'm still, you know, I still have these questions because again, I've been overtrained in the other world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Confused. The, you know, the other world's kind of interesting and fascinating and entertaining. But, um, you know, if we're going to try to understand ourselves as a science project, um, we're going to miss the poetry of being alive. I mean, oh, my God, that's beautiful. When, when you read Shakespeare or Adrian Rich or, you know, some poet that you might love, you're not sitting there going, what's the scientific basis of what she's saying? You know, and so we're all living these lives that are so rich and multidimensional and don't easily boil down to scientific principles, which isn't to reject them. They have their place. So when we talk about energy, I like to say, don't go to the science. Don't go to the electrons and protons and neutrons as validation for what you know, because you and I know that if you say to me, wow, I hope I can do okay in this interview today. I have no energy. You know, if you say that, I know exactly what you mean. Or very, you know, right. not exactly. I've got a good idea. Um, if I say, you know, I've got all the energy in the world to work on this book I'm writing. But when I talk to my neighbor, I start to really lose it because I just can't keep up, keep any juice going. Right. Or you have good energy. Yeah, you have good energy. Or that person has really creepy energy. So we have that in our common understanding. And I like to think of it as, as energy feeds. What feeds you? And what feeds me might be very different from what feeds you. I mean, I know you and I both get excited about dogs because I, yes, I love very. dogs too. And cats. I'm an equal opportunity animal lover. That Just dogs. No offense. I don't dislike cats, but no, right. my heart is like all dog all yeah, the time. Yeah. And I totally get that. So when you interact with a dog, that energizes you. When you when I do my taxes, that doesn't energize me. But somebody else who's a tax accountant who just loves working with numbers and the, the precision of putting things in boxes, that will energize them. So, so the energies that feed us, um, there's sort of cosmic energies like the energy of the earth and of the sun and of the, the trees and the plants and, you know, the different elements in our environment. Most of us get energized, you know, if we drink some water and we, if we're not overhydrated, we drink water and it kind of energizes us. Um, so there's lots of sources. And one of the things I talk about in my book is, is you know, cultivating that sourcing looking at what what the energy feeds are and how to work with not only bringing them in but making sure they get to where they need to go so we're not we're not like the vacuum cleaner that plugs into the wall and pulls this substance that we don't understand into us we are multidimensionally fed by all the things that jazz us up and it's not about excitement it's about nourishment you know, we can be energized and be very calm. And, you know, I can be energized by um, a still pond that doesn't make me jump up and down, but it makes me feel more whole. So so I guess I would put it in terms of whatever juices you, whatever feeds you, whatever nourishes you, that's your energetic feed. 
And we can go back to science and say, well, there are vibrations there, you know, same with color. Now, when I look at a beautiful rainbow, I'm not going now, what hurts is the red and what's the, what's the wattage of the yellow? And, you know, I'm not trying to translate it into scientific terms. I'm allowing that rainbow of colors, each in its own way to speak to my being. And I feel we need to reclaim our own relationship to energy that is very pragmatic and every day because it's ener- it's medicine. You know, when they talk about energy medicine, it's anything that um, activates our, our energy communications that, that keep the body going, et cetera, the energy communications of the body and um, makes, brings us towards wholeness because to heal the word, Halen, the original meant to, to, to become whole. So, you know, we think of medicine as fix what's wrong. And that's a misconception. I really like the Native American concept, like of the medicine bag, where you put things in that are sacred to your being. And having representation of those things that are sacred to your being is very healing. And so I think we can make our daily medicine bags, you know, not as literal bags, but make our day into a medicine bag of moments of connection with this amazing world we live in, but the parts of it that really feed us. Right. And you have great exercises in the book and you write about them, quote, the energy medicine exercises and explorations give you specific instructions on how to do them, but most are intended to act like yogurt starter, helping you to create your own personalized energy medicine. Expand on that for us. Well, you know, I've just seen too many books with the seven point plan to enlightenment, you know, where if you do these seven things and you have to have faith and do them every day for a month or two months or three months, then you're going to attain awareness or health or enlightenment. And I'm not putting those down as techniques. They can be wonderful, but they're someone else's techniques. And they may or may not speak to your body. And furthermore, our bodies don't want to have scripts. They want authentic, vital dialogue. So if I am saying to my body, you know, some affirmation I've read in a book or some behavior that I've read in a book, and my body's telling me, hey, lie down for two minutes. Or, you know, I mean, it's like a dog or a cat. If you watch a dog, let's stick with dogs because you love dogs. If you watch a dog, (laughs) it's very much in the eternal now. Now I'm going to wag my tail. Now I'm going to sniff this plant. Now I'm going to sniff your hand. Now I'm going to roll over and roll in 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 the dirt. Now I'm right. going to take myself <laughs> off. Now I'm going to look over there where there's a noise. Now I'm going to bark at that squirrel. It's this now, now, now. And most of us have lost our now, now, now. Our creature, we've lost track of our creature selves. Um, and the body doesn't like that because it is a creature self like a dog or cat. In fact, I call it your earth elemental self because we have these beloved doggy figures that are our bodies. And rather than letting them be in the now and responding, we're applying rules from some expert out there. So I don't want to be one of those experts out there. What I'm interested in is teaching you how to communicate with your own being, with your body, with your mind, with your spirit in their own language, which is the language of energy. And that means moment by moment, what you need may not be what I wrote wrote in chapter three. But if you're going to try it, you're going to need to adapt it to your own situation. Because, um, you know, nobody wants to go on a date and feel like the person is reading a script. Like, okay, you know, like you, you feel like you're in chapter four of how to date effectively. 
You know, and it's like, no, stop right. that. Just get to know me and relate to me. And I feel like um, we can't heal until we really enter into vital connection and vital dialogue with our own selves. And think about all these healing tools that are just so off-putting. They don't bring us into connection with ourselves. <clears throat> and some do, but they take a, a more bigger commitment than some of us are willing to invest. Right. Well, share a couple of the exercises. What are some of your favorites in the book? Okay. Um, well, you know, I used different ones for different purposes. So I just mentioned connection. Okay. And um, I'm just trying to think of some version of it. So I, I'm going to teach one called Just Connect. And you're going to put one hand on your heart and one hand on your solar plexus. Okay. And just feel your hands touching your body and feel your body under your hands. So that two-way sense of connection where you can feel with your hands, but your body can also feel your hands there. And just notice what happens inside you when you just connect. Now you can take the hand that's on your heart and put it down on your second chakra, which is right between halfway between your belly button and your pubic bone, on kind of on your gut. Okay. So leave one hand on your tummy or solar plexus and one on your gut. And just connect. And what you're doing as you do this, not just connecting into your own body, but you're connecting to parts of your energy anatomy so they can talk with each other. Your gut, which has a brain of its own, and your solar plexus, which is kind of your connection with the world, your knowing. And so you're, you're, you're linking up those two conversation centers with each other, you're kind of introducing them to like get them on the same page. Then you can take the hand that's on your tummy and move it up to your heart again. And so you're holding your, your gut and your heart together. Now, should you be breathing a certain way? Like I've been taking deep breaths. Yeah, you should breathe because if you don't, you're going to pass out. It's good to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, should you like take deep breaths or just well, regular? Again, that's individual. For some people, deep breaths pull them out of the connection and the, into the breathing, which is fine. And for others... It's what's needed. So you do want to breathe. And sometimes it's helpful to try breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. But almost everything I have in the book is an exploration. So another breathing pattern might make more sense for you in this moment. Even panting. You know, what happens if like a dog, you... While you, while you hold. And that might feel different and that might feel more effective in that moment. I mean, certainly when someone's get, being coached and giving birth, you know, mm -hmm. we often say, yeah. you know, like a dog and deep breaths that they teach you in yoga probably are not appropriate in that moment. So again, our brains go to what are the rules and how can I follow them rather than what's needed and how can I be responsive? And right. if we start this practice of in each moment, seeing what the doggy needs and being responsive in this moment, we're going to start to engage very differently with our body, mind, and spirit. And things are going to start working a lot better. Um, 
I, I did an exercise that's not in the book that I want to talk about right now. Sure. It's kind of trippy. Um, yesterday, it's it's a new one. My teachers are, my inner teachers trained me and they're always showing me new exercises or new ways to, to work with this. And um, yesterday I had a kind of migraine in my head and they are teaching me this concept of ask what purpose that body of that part of your body is serving right now. Like who, are, who is that part of my body answering to? So my, I had this migraine in my left head and I said, I asked my left head, I put my hand on and I said, okay, what's your purpose right now? And I heard very clearly in my head, I heard this voice say, rejecting my dad's worldview. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis. And I thought, okay, this, this migraine is about turning off my left brain, which was very much trained by my father. <clears throat> and I thought, well, gosh, dad's been dead for a long time. And I've long since decided I didn't agree with most of what, what he had to say in life. Um, but there's my brain aligned with that. And I, and I said, okay, are you willing to, to find a different purpose? And it said, okay, try it. So I pulled in a purpose from one of my inner teachers, which was about connecting up um, higher wisdom or, or spiritual wisdom and grounding it. You know, I just said, let's bring that purpose in as, as one of my goals in life is how to get grounded with my spirituality. So I said, how about that? So I just filled that whole area of my head and neck with that purpose. And immediately the migraine lifted. Like, wow, like one minute, even quicker. It was like it just dissolved. And, you know, that's not in the book. You, your folks that get it, you're, you're the first to hear it. <clears throat> but it is a moment of communication where we look beyond the question, what's wrong and how do I fix it? To ask another question, which I do talk about in all my books, what's needed and how can I um, supply it or what's going on here? What are the dynamics and how can I shift those dynamics to get a different result? And and so that's, that's an, ex, an example of the kind of energy exercise that I love to teach because it's not these 12 steps you have to go through with blind trust to get a result. It's more about what we all know about communication. You know, we all know that if you ask the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer, right? Yeah. If you go up to someone who's being really pissy and you say, what's wrong with you? You're so pissy. Are you going to really get them to like smile and say, oh, I'm so glad you asked. You know, <laughs> nope. that's not the result you're going to get. Right. If you go up and say, wow, you seem kind of beleaguered right now. Is there something I can do to support you? Or do you, is there something you want to talk about? You might get, you know, either the story of what's bothering them or something they need that you can either supply or help them supply or say, well, then I'm going to leave you alone. Go get what you need. I'm giving you permission to take the rest of the day off and, you know, take care of that. And we don't do that with our bodies because we never, we rarely ask the right question. We have a pain and we say, how can I get rid of you? Well, why shoot the messenger? Ask the messenger, what are you trying to, to tell me and how can I, um, how can I respond to it? Um, do you want one more exercise or? Sure. Okay. So um, this relates to this whole question of not what's the right answer from out there, because we're a right answer culture. We just love people to tell us what are the right <laughs> answers to everything. And I love Google, so don't get me wrong. I love to Google it. <laughs> but we need to, to 
learn how to um, look for information, not expect it to be immediate, not expect I have to get the right answer right away or it's I can't get anything. And so I like the idea of fishing. And I teach this exercise in, in the book, um, Your Body Will Show You the Way, called Fishing in the Chakras. And the chakras are energy features that spin around like little like tornadoes or something. And they bring energy in to the body and carry it out again. <clears throat> and the chakras each feed um, different parts of your body. So they're like buttons going up the, the center of your, your body, like the buttons on a snowman or something. And they each um, bathe the organs that they, they, they sit over and they, um, influence your hormones. They do a lot. It's 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 a traditional energy system that lots of energy modalities work with. So in the book, I show where they are and say, well, rather than trying to fix them, rebalance them, whatever, use them as a source of information because they're almost like filing cabinets. They contain a lot of information. So what you do, we're going to um, just try it together, even though lots of people are just listening to this, they can't see but let's just do two. Let's do the one at your tummy, which is your solar plexus, or the chakra that's at your heart in the center, which is the heart chakra. The heart chakra is all about relationships and connecting. And the third, uh, the, the solar plexus chakra is more about how do I cope with things in the world? How do I, um, yeah, how do I connect out in, with things in the world? How do I digest what comes at me? all of that. How do I get nourished? Okay. So you're going to fish in one of these two fishing holes today. You're going to ask a question and the question could be something like, give me insight into, so give me insight into that fight I had yesterday, or give me insight into why my jaw hurts right now. It can be something very physical. It can be something more um, emotional. It could be something spiritual. Give me insight into how I can be in better contact with my inner teachers. Okay. So be any realm you want to ask questions of, because we're looking for insight and we're fishing for it. Now, if you don't like the idea of fishing because of the worm and the hook and stuff, I use a little <laughs> magnet. You know, I send a little magnet in because I don't like the idea of sending a, a hook in my own body. So you're going to grab your imaginary fishing line. And I use gesture. I don't just visualize this. I, I use the gesture of sending, casting it in and sending the line into my chakra. And I'm going in my third chakra right now because it's a little tight. And I'm going to ask, in my case, give me insight into this tightness in my third chakra right now, just because it's right immediate. <clears throat> but you asked your own question. So okay. Got to wait for the fish to bite. Oh, that's so interesting. Sometimes it comes right away and sometimes it doesn't. And um, mine's pretty quick because I've, I've done this before. Right. Yeah. At, at getting, finding where the fish are. But what I pulled in with my line was a really heavy cinder block brick. And that's what came out of the fishing hole when I said, give me insight into this tightness. And and so I have to unpack the meaning. What does that mean to me that I got a brick? And I've got associations with that, you know, about, um, well, it's a building block. 
but it also really, it's what they tie to people when they want to drown them. You know, I mean, it's a, you know, wow. it's tie it to the yeah. person you're trying to drown. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, I've been kind of walling myself in the last few days with, with some real heavy thoughts about an experience in my past that, that I guess my mind is trying to make some peace with. And, um, and just a reminder that that brick weighs me down, but it was also a building block. Right. So it's just a little bit of advice saying, well, you know, you can reject that experience because it was a, you know, it was a, it was a professional th thing I did that was unpleasant, but it was a building block towards where I got today. You know, this isn't like earth shattering. This isn't the whole answer to every question I have about anything, but it's saying that's why I'm tight here. And if I'm still tight there when I eat my lunch, it's going to affect my digestion. So, I can work with that. I can put the brick somewhere. I can call in all the, you know, pull up some other things and see what else is in there and make something out of them. You know, I can literally make a collage or figuratively make a collage. Um, or I can just thank my body for the insight and, and use it how best I can, you know, to just remind myself every time I get into the heaviness. Oh, yeah, but that got you here. So it's okay. Did you know that movement not only improves your physical health, but it also greatly supports your emotional health, reducing depression and anxiety? I absolutely have seen this in my own life. I'm a former professional dancer, and my passion for movement led me to create SWE Studio, an online community membership dedicated to get you moving and support your physical and emotional health. SWE Studio is centered around a fusion class combining the ancient Chinese practice of Qigong and the core strengthening practice of Pilates, a powerful and unique combination for all ages and levels of fitness. SWE Studio is extremely affordable for only $22 a month and you can cancel at any time. Enjoy a library with over 300 classes to choose from, including Qigong, Pilates, dance, meditation, laughter, and I'm adding new content all of the time. If you missed my interview with Lisa here on Health Power, it's episode number 1167, Soul Care and Mindful Movement with Stephen Washington. Visit me at stephenwashingtonexperience.com and let's get moving. Now, what about if you have like a chronic pain of some kind? How do we get our, do the energy medicine on ourselves? I would assume doing these exercises, but are there other things we can do to, to, to tap into that and ask those good questions about why do I have constant headaches or whatever the, right. the issue is? Right. Well, chronic pain is chronic messaging from your earth elemental self or your, or your mind, your talk, what I call your talking self or your spirit to pay attention to something. And if we don't get the message, the body shouts louder and louder. Um, often the message is that we're out of balance, you know, our inside or our outside, how we're using energy, what we're eating, what we're doing, the balance of sleep and, and rest, the balance of fun and, and duty. Um, often that's, there's a lot of messaging in pain around imbalance, even how we're sitting, how we're aligning our physical body. Um, it could be that we've injured it, and the pain is that the injury never healed because we didn't allocate enough resources to the healing. We put them into, you know, going right back to work and stressing over relationships and other things rather than putting that energy towards healing the tissue. So it's we're very focused in our um, Western medicine about name the problem, target the problem. But 
with energy medicine and what I teach in all my books is how you, can you stand back if you're not looking at what's wrong, but you're looking at what's needed for wholeness. Most people can shut their eyes and say, oh, I need a vacation on a desert island, you know, on a, on a beautiful <laughs> tropical island. Oh, yeah. We can give ourselves that for five minutes. We can, you know, literally figuratively, you know, we can watch a show that's on a desert island. We can look at pictures. We can, you know, bring the smells or the feeling. We can visualize it or we can book a vacation, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> so so if we're listening moment to, by moment to what's really needed um, and supplying that in some form, the body starts to trust that it's going to get its needs met and it doesn't shout as loud and the chronic symptoms start to heal. Um, I have a chronic issue with migraines. Uh, you know, it's a, it's hereditary, but it's also because I was raised to be a head on a stick and my, every time I fall back into that habit, my body objects. It just doesn't want to be a head on a stick ever again. And so for me, it's not, how do you heal a migraine? Because it's a flag. You know, it, it's my flag that I'm not addressing the wholeness that my body got a taste of and said, I'm never letting go of. It's for me to turn around and say, not what's wrong with my head or where's this migraine coming from? Although I have techniques in the book for doing that. It's more like, what do I need? What's what's missing from the from this this picture that can bring me into um, more fullness? And that's the doggy saying right now I have to shake off. You know, I'm not going to do what you tell me. I have to shake. <laughs> and we don't do that. If we need to shake, most of us don't shake. Yeah. If we need to stretch. Most of us don't stretch. If we need to drink water, most of us drink coffee or tea that dehydrates us. We don't drink water. We don't listen to even those little moment by moment um, signals of what this earth elemental creature needs. And then we wonder why she gets out of balance or he gets out of balance and gets starts to be really set. Wow. God, it's so fascinating. Uh, in the chapter, Reframe, Rename, and Reclaim, and we kind of touched on this. You write, quote, we flatten our understanding of situations to a single label or name, particularly when that was assigned by other people. We get caught in collective understandings that may or may not apply to us. And that goes back to the dogs, right? They're just moment by moment. But I go to this, you know, I take my beloved blue to this holistic vet who's doing these things with the arms and this and that. And I'm like, wait a second, from what I understand in our collective understanding is this seems like woo woo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and our collective understanding is, is um, not entirely wrong, but it's very limited. And it, you know, there's a whole historical reason why the um, medical lobby went after all the alternative practitioners and, and really kind of pushed them out of business or made or discredited them and say they're not doing real science or they're not doing real healing. And, you know, there's been healing traditions all over the world that have been effective, um, particularly in their own context. Um, and so, yes, you look at it and say that's really woo-woo. So you asked about this chapter and this concept I have called Rename, Reframe, Reclaim. And it's based on the notion that words carry baggage. If you go to a doctor and the doctor says you have cancer, most of us are going to go, oh, my God, I've got cancer. Because all the associations we have with cancer and people dying and people having horrible treatments that, that kill oh, yeah. them, like like chemo, et cetera. Well, cancer is the last is the name of a gazillion different diseases. It's not, you know, stomach cancer isn't even the same illness as, as um, lung cancer. They're not the same 
thing. There are some similar processes. And one of the processes that's similar across those is cells that are um, replicating um, sort of rapidly and out of control, out of their norm. And they're not keeping their boundaries. So cancer, a lot of cancers have a boundary issue involved in it. So, so that can be helpful. But on the other hand, most of us click into our associations and then we go online and read about our cancer and what it should be. And we're getting all this information about what should be our truth. That's even assuming it's a true diagnosis. And, you know, there's a lot of misdiagnosis, but even assuming the diagnosis is correct, sure. instead of encountering what are the dynamics causing my cells to trot out of control, causing my body to let go of its boundary making um, powers, or maybe it didn't learn enough in the beginning, what's going on in my body? We're already in somebody else's storyline and we tend to live up to what other people expect of us. And, you know, and, and if it's a, if it's a death sentence, we tend to, to die in accordance with that. And I mean, there's been all kinds of interesting studies done where people thought something was happening that was going to kill them. And they, they actually, died. I mean, there was a man who was um, really afraid that if he, of, of refrigerator cars, he worked on the railroad, and he was afraid that if he got locked in one of these, he would freeze to death and die. And then one day he did get locked into one, only it wasn't turned on, but he was so convinced that because he was locked in a refrigerator, refrigerator car, he would die, that when they found him dead the next morning and did the autopsy, he died of hypothermia. But it wasn't oh my cold gosh. in that car. It was not freezing that night. That's amazing. Yeah, I need to change my thinking because my mom died of cancer and she did every alternative thing you could do. Her bed was covered in supplements. She went to every type of healer and this and that and did mainstream. I mean, everything. And she still died. So I'm like, if I get cancer, I'm that's it. I'm not doing shit. And I'm just going <laughs> to, and I got to change that, you know? All of those practitioners have their answers and they have their tools and they're, some of them are great tools. I'm not against tools and I'm not against practitioners. What I'm saying, though, is she needed to come to terms with what her body was doing. And, and her body may have been giving her an exit strategy. It may have been her way to get out of life because her soul had decided I'm done here. Or her, her emotions may have said, I've reached what I'm willing to look at, and I'm sorry, I'm going to block any further growth. And then that backs up in the system. You know, there's lots of reasons why people die of something. But if we always call it cancer, that word's going to be in danger of killing you. So what I teach in this thing is you go in and take your situation that the doctor might have called cancer and ask it for a name. And, you know, you're not assigning a name. You're saying, okay, hey, situation here. What should I call you? And um, I I don't know if we have time. I had a story in the book about this. I'd like to tell this Yeah, story. no, we've got, no, let's, no. You really woke me up. Keep on talking. This is a great. A friend of mine, mine was, a, um, was a very strong Buddhist. She had gone on a pilgrimage to, um, to the Far East to kind of um, go to sites that were sacred to Kuan Yin which is the female form of the Buddha. And she'd had six months of really transcendent experience. And she came home and within a day or two, she developed this red, itchy, painful rash in her private parts. I mean, it was so uncomfortable. It was right down there where one doesn't want to have a chronic itch. And um, so she went, 
you know, she went to a tropical medicine person. She went to a bunch of doctors, a, you know, a skin doctor. She went to um, a, an acupuncturist. She tried everything. And some things worked for a minute or two, and then they didn't. This thing came back and back. And in that case, she didn't have a name that they gave it. They, you know, they said, you have some kind of a infection. We don't know what it is. So she started calling it the plague. And which was oh yeah I remember that yep. name right the plague and yeah. then one day she said you know this isn't working I've got a what tools do I have and she said I've got my Buddhism my Buddhist practice so she said I'm going to tune in and see what this situation can teach me rather than trying to get rid of it I'm going to go towards it and so she tuned in and she said what what should I call you and this red angry thing said call me Blanche. <laughs> yeah right I mean that which means white it's hilarious like call me Blanche. So she said, Blanche, what do you need? And Blanche started showing her moment by moment what she needed. So my friend would be getting ready to go to a party and um, Blanche would flare and she'd say, Blanche, here you are. What do you need? What can I do for you? And Blanche would say, take off the clothes and get in a sits bath. I'm hot. And I need to be cool, you know, or something. And she did that. And within three weeks, Blanche cleared up and never came back. Wow. Blanche was a messenger and a teacher and she allowed she allowed herself to get to know her actual situation under a name that didn't carry baggage other than the joke of Blanche. She stopped calling it a plague, which made her kind of fight the messenger. Oh, yeah, and, definitely. And so she was able to reframe. And that's the reframe. It's not a plague. It's a teacher. And then she was able to reclaim balance and wellness one step at a time. And Blanche taught her how. And, God, you know, and your mom had cancer and she was taking everything. First of all, our culture says take it in inputs, but often our disease comes from imbalance in the dynamics within, not taking more stuff in, but rebalancing what's there and how we use it. And if we don't know how to do that, then we're just going to take pill after pill, whether it's a, a supplement or a, or, or a pharmaceutical. And often, you know, that just, puts our load even heavier. You know, it's just like now, not only is my internal dynamic screaming at me to pay attention because I'm, I'm grinding the gears of my own being, but now I'm throwing, you know, other, th you know, I'm throwing sand in there to try to, to do something. And now I'm grinding the, the gears of my being and there's even more sand in there. It's even louder and more um, conflictual than it was before. Well, wow. I've I've been working in health media for 23 years and I'm you're one of the most fascinating people I've ever spoken to and I am just I have a chronic issue which I'm not going to discuss at this moment. I can't wait to try all these things. I mean, you know, I'm just looking at blue and going, "Well, okay, I'm going to cuz I I in the past, I'll be honest, I'm kind of like, eh, this all seems kind of woo-woo. I don't know about yeah. this, you know. Yeah. But I, I'm getting less and less skeptical and, and talking with you and reading your book. I mean, it's just absolutely fascinating. Before we go, let's talk about outside in thinking versus inside out thinking. And you tell us about Daria and Maya. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Daria was a, a woman who um, was was an acquaintance of, of ours. And this was years and years and years ago. And she, she came to visit us and um, we said, we said, let's take, we were living actually in another country at the time. We said, let's take you on. We'd like to take you on an outing. And she said, fine. But um, before I we go, I have to take my vitamins. 
and we said, okay, she said, I'll need about 45 minutes or an hour. And we're going, really? You know, what's that about? She goes into her room. She comes back with a huge stack of fishing tackle boxes. There were seven of them, each with about 50 compartments in them. You know, like those things that yeah. lies in them. Oh my gosh. And I'm looking at her because first of all, this was another country. She had flown across the world with a suitcase full of seven <laughs> tackle boxes filled with <laughs> vitamins. Every single one of those boxes had vitamins in it. And she proceeded to take all those vitamins, more than 300 of them. I mean, it was just vitamin after vitamin after vitamin. And I was just, I mean, I was dumbfounded. I was stunned. It doesn't seem right or healthy. <laughs> it doesn't seem right or healthy to me. And I was, but at the time, what I was trying to practice was keeping my mouth shut and not volunteering information that wasn't asked for. And so I was like being very valiant and not saying anything. But later that day, she said, do you, and she knew I was a healer. And she said, do you know why I have these big yellow bags under my eyes? And without thinking, I said, yes, you have vitamin poisoning. <laughs> and, you know, we can get wisdom poisoning. We can get vitamin poisoning. We can get poisoning from too much of a good thing. And I asked her, you know, did... um did someone tell you to take these? And she said, oh, yes, my naturopath. And I said, all at once? She said, no, over the years. And I said, well, I think he meant you to, to switch. So why don't you just take the five most important ones now? And when you get home, you can talk to your doctor about which of these 300 pills you really need to be taking because you're poisoning yourself and you're probably going to feel pretty crappy because your liver can't handle that much input at Too once. much. Yeah. So that was... a an extreme example of what goes on in our culture. And we're all kind of socialized to this, this outside in thinking. We're very much taught that the objective truth is more valid than the subjective truth, right? If it can be proven right. out there by someone else, it's more true than our own inner experience. Mm. And I have to question that because how does that doctor, how does that study, you know, and we know that studies that prove X and Y forgot to ask women or forgot to ask people of color or forgot to ask people in our age group. And, and that's, you know, nobody has that kind of money to really do the scientific testing that would make it objective truth. So we're right. pretending that we have all these things we know because they've been proven scientifically, when there is a, there's some serious problems with the way the science was applied and the economics of who, who gets to, to know what and how. And, and so I'm not saying all that external stuff is wrong, but we have been programmed to prioritize the external over the internal. And, and we have not been given tools to validate and to find inner truth and validate it and be maybe as rigorous with our inner knowing as we're taught to be with our outer knowing. Now, as someone as I trained in creative writing, I had to learn ways to say, you know, yes, you know, these 10 poems might look good to other people. How do we assess what makes a stronger poem and what makes a poem maybe not so very good for most people who read it? And so there are ways to work with the inner landscape and assess what's true and find out what's going on and name it. So what I talk about in the book is how to reclaim your authorship and your agency, how to reclaim your ability to work from the inside out. And that's not instead of the outside in information, but, but too often we get information that isn't entirely true for us and we torque our reality to fit that outer truth, to look good to others, to feel 
good about, you know, we tried to make our bodies look like this standard of look, but you don't do and go to, from cage to cage and say to the, to the polar bear, oh my God, you're so fat. Why aren't you skinny like that snake? You know, we don't <laughs> do that, right? Yeah, I love that. We know at the zoo, the animals all have different shapes, but most of us put ourselves down all the time by for how we look. Because we yeah, it's terrible. This external standard that isn't necessarily true of who we are ethnically or historically or you know based on what's safe for us or what you know our relationship to how we how much we love food. You know, I mean, we're dead. We don't get to eat food. So some of us feel like there's only so many meals in a lifetime, and we have to take advantage of those. And we're a different kind of breed than those breeds who really only eat in order to fuel their running or whatever else they love do right yeah absolutely so that's that's, that's so interesting behind that concept of rename reframe reclaim of really freeing ourselves from the cultural understandings long enough to come to uh, a better dialogue with our own inner situation inner dynamic truth and outer you know because even what I think is going on in my relationship, I usually am going with pop psychology or astrologer, someone else's system, rather than even asking the other person, hey, I'm going to tell you what's going on for me. Can you tell me what's going on for you? Can we can we find our, our shared ground here? We don't do that. You know, we, we go to psychic yeah. to tell us what's happening with my partner or we go to, you know, <laughs> psychologist explain so-and-so's behavior. That's that's all stuff that has its value in its place, but not if we're missing our ability to operate our own instrument and have our own authorship of our lives. So I'm all. Wow. Ellen, you're amazing. The book is your body will show you the way energy medicine for personal and global change. Do you work with people on this? Um, I have in the past at the moment, I don't have an active um, one-on-one um, practice just because I'm writing books and teach teaching. I am teaching on the shift network. So you can find my courses there. Oh, and great. there is interaction with me live interaction on those courses, or you can, you know, buy them and download them, you know, in your own time. Um, and, you know, I'm writing more books and, and doing these talks, I may take up uh, my channeling practice again, because I'm a conscious channel, um, sometime in the next year or two, but I, I've, you know, I just got swamped by too many requests and not enough time and had to kind of make some choices. Oh, sure. So, well, how do we find out all about you and your wonderful books? Okay, well, go to my website, which is ellenmeredith.com. And my last name is spelled M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H. So ellenmeredith.com. Um, you can get on my mailing list to find out what I'm doing when. Um, there's a lot, there's a do-it-yourself divination tool that's free, that's fun to play with there. There's um, information about my various books and courses and and offerings. Um, at this point, I'm I'm 67, and my goal is to put as much stuff out there for either free or cheap or affordable as possible from my 40 years of practice. So I'm trying to codify these things I've been blessed to to learn and be taught both by my inner teachers and my clients um, and students, and just sort of put them into formats where other people can use them and try them and, and see, see how, uh, how that works for them. 
Well, this has just been so eye-opening and so incredible. I'm so glad you came on the show. You're always welcome. If people want to check out my new show, Dog-Eared with Lisa Davis, please do. It's on the same exact platform as Health Power. And if you want to learn all about my good boys and what's going on and hear from amazing authors who are sharing great information on all different types of topics related to dogs. And if you want to see me and my boys, you can follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. And we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.